Hello, Night Nation, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart. I'm here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. Luckily for us, the sky is not falling, as we uh, indicated could be happening last week in our episode, uh, after a great game by our UCF Knights against the FAU Owls. Uh, how you doing, Tony? I'm feeling great. You know, different vibe. You know, the last uh, podcast, we are a little bit down, you know, with that loss to Louisville. And, you know, um, we were a little bit cautious going into this FAU game. Our team prevailed, and we, here we go. You know, charge on. Go Knights. Absolutely, yeah. Great game by the Knights. I think, you know, at the very beginning, I think we were all waiting to see how the team was going to respond. And, you know, FAU definitely uh, came out in this game. Uh, just like we thought they might. Uh, the fan base really showed up for them. Um, you know, they sold out uh, their ticket allotment more than they've ever sold for tickets. So clearly their fan base thought of this being a big game. Um, and so that first half, you know, they definitely put up a great fight. But UCF was able to really uh, outlast them in this one, coming out with a 40-14 to win against the FAU Owls down in Boca Raton. Uh, so... Here on the episode today, we're going to go ahead and recap this game and and what we saw and and some good things that they've done and maybe some things they can improve on. Um, After that, we'll dive into the Georgia Tech game. Um, But with that, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Tony. Tony, uh, where should they follow us on social media? Yeah, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UCF Nightcap. And if you can, please give us a review on all major podcasts. Thank you, Tony. And uh, getting back to the game, uh, you know, to, to talk about UCF, I think one of the biggest things that we were hoping to see this week was a bounce-back performance from the offense. Uh, last week, we finished the game with zero points in the second half, uh, going 10 straight possessions without uh, scoring. So I think this week coming into the FAU game, we really needed to see how this offense was going to respond to a loss like that, as well as going on the road uh, into a hostile environment. I think it's safe to say that the offense bounced back. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, time of possession, 37 minutes. Total yards, 653. Passing yards, 339. Rushing yards, 314. And the team itself was definitely more disciplined. We've only had three penalties. And uh, one thing that was exciting was the that, like, basically what you just said, that how was the team going to respond? How are they going to handle adversity? Because they did get, they did take that loss against Louisville. How are they going to handle this next game? And... I, I was pretty excited to see that on fourth downs that we were for two for two. We took that challenge. The team executed. Third downs, we were 12 out of 18. So that's really exciting to see the offense um, progress that well and uh, move forward. So with that being said, I think the offense definitely had a, a huge performance going forward. I mean, FAU is not as strong as Louisville as a team. However, it was a hostile environment. FAU had this game marked on their calendar. They wanted to beat us. They had the most students have tickets for this game out of any game they've ever had before. So this was a, this was a big deal for them to beat us. They wanted to beat UCF, and so they were going to, you know, give their best effort. Totally agree. And, you know, I think a couple things coming out of this game. Last week after the Louisville loss, I think there were two people that were getting the most criticism from the media and the fan base, uh, one in Gus Malzahn and, and the other in, in John Rice Plumlee. Uh, obviously, there were some some criticisms about the two of them, given that we, we weren't able to score in the second half in, in some different opportunities. Some, whether it being bad decisions or bad throws by JRP or maybe some bad play calling. Even Gus himself, after the Louisville game, came out and said there were a couple of things that he might change in the way that he called the game. I think it's safe to say both came out here into this game 
and uh, really answered a lot of those questions. Uh, you know, really starting with Gus Malzahn last week being critical of some of his play calling, maybe sticking with certain, um, you know, predictable play calls a little too long, or obviously the special teams and penalties being major issues. It's clear that Gus uh, was able to come in and make the adjustments that he needed to make. Um, you know, the offense looked much more in sync. They looked like they were able to kind of, uh, you know, show what they can do. The penalties, way better. Uh, we finished the game with only three penalties. Um, so that was a huge, huge focus that uh, clearly the team resonated with the team. And then obviously we saw so many changes from a special teams perspective as well with our uh, our field goal kicker and our punter, uh, our punt returner, all of that changing uh, in terms of who the starters were. Uh, so I think Gus had a great game in terms of really making those adjustments. And then going back to JRP, um, you know, he had his best statistical game of his career. I think we're going to be seeing that a little bit considering he didn't have tons of uh, experience as a quarterback. But uh, for him to finish with the stats that he finished with, um, you know, 339 yards uh, with 121 yards rushing, three total touchdowns, I mean, he, he was the engine that made our offense run. And I think that was, uh, you know, a really, really good thing to see uh, as the game went on, um, even if that first half might have scared us a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about what you said from day one when we were uh, on the previous podcast when we were doing a preseason re, uh, preseason warm-up for the season, and you thought that JRP was going to be the keys to Gus Malzahn's offense. And obviously we did see that in South Carolina State, but we all know that that's pretty much a high school team. And um, But then, you know, the Louisville challenge was challenging. But again, this FAU was challenging based on the situation, based on losing the game, the adversity. And also playing away from UCF, away from the bounce house in Boca. So with that being said, yeah, JRP was electric. I will tell you right now, that play when he ran for that touchdown and he jumped over those guys and hurtled them, that's already an ESPN top five, top ESPN top ten play last night. And it was top five, it was five out of ten is what I'm trying to say. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, it was a hell of a play. Uh, one thing I was excited about JRP is that it's not just the, the big plays, it's even the small plays. Like, when there wasn't an opportunity to throw the ball, he still got positive yardage and opportunities for three yards, and I think that was a change with Gus and JRP. Like, hey, let's just play to your strength. You know, don't force it. And just, you know, if get what you can. There was a play one time that it looked like he was going to get sacked, and he ran um, to the side of the sideline and got one yard. But you know what? It was going to be a negative play. So to turn that around, get a positive one yard, it just shows the athleticism that he has. He's an athlete, and I'll take that. I'll take positive yardage any day. So he definitely played the strengths. Gus um, definitely utilized them better, I feel, in this game. But, you know, don't want to just keep it all positive. How would you feel about the interception? What are, what are the negatives of what is gameplay? I mean, nobody's perfect, but, you know, let's be realistic here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that interception, for sure, I put, I put a little bit. Um, on JRP, of course, um, you know, just looking at the play, it looks like, um, you know, the receiver was double covered. He had a, a, a corner that was uh, short of the receiver and he had a safety that was past him. So he had to really fit it into a, an extremely tight window. Probably not a smart decision, but even with that decision, the throw wasn't that great. He underthrew him um, and put it right into the breadbasket of the, of the corner, right? Um, so definitely probably one of his biggest mistakes of the day. Uh, but even that, you know, I mean, they were able to, 
I think that that actually turned out to be one of the biggest uh, momentum shifting plays in the second half. Tell me why. Uh, so after that interception, uh, they were able to stop them on the one. And just like uh, we saw against South Carolina State, this defense they seem to like uh, having their back against the wall because I mean they were able to shut them down. That first play obviously was a bad snap by FAU, get them down to the three. But they shut him down, and they forced a field goal attempt that was ultimately blocked by Morris Brash, who, as we get later into this uh, podcast, I definitely want to talk about him. He had a he had a great game, and is kind of proving that uh, he's here to play this year. Um, but I mean, after that, I mean, it was it, it kind of was but, clear. But let's stay, let's stay on there though. That was a momentum change. That was a big time play. That mm-hmm. might have been the play of the game, to be honest with you. I mean, that series in general, because. He should have got a. They, they should have got a. They should have got points on that drive, and to not get zero points, I, I was very deflating to their team. I, I could tell like the rest of the game that that really hurt them, and um, but yeah, let's For sure. we'll move forward. Well, at that point of the game, if FAU say they get a touchdown in any in any form, they get a touchdown, they're down by one score. I mean, like you know that gives the momentum, that gets the crowd rocking, that gets the offense feeling better. All they need is one stop after that and they get the ball down by one possession. So I mean, the fact that the defense did that really helped keep the game out of reach for FAU because otherwise this second half could have been way more interesting than it was. Absolutely. And after that we kind of took control of the game out too overall. Definitely. So, you know, that's one thing I will say about this Gus team is that it's clear that they fight for each other, they play for each other, they hustle, they run to the ball, they do what they need to do. And, you know, they're not giving up on any play, no matter what's going on. And and that's what you hope to see, you know. Um, But moving forward a little bit, I definitely want to dive in um, into each phase of the game, you know, offense, defense, and special teams, and, and talk about what we've seen. Because, you know, I think there was a lot of really noticeable things going on in this game. Um, you know, one thing you just mentioned about Plum Lee that I, I really like about his game is that we don't have a lot of negative plays. And one thing that kept happening in this game, um, you know, last year we noticed it too in the games that our offense struggled. Obviously, our preferred way of playing offense is that we can give the ball to a, an Isaiah Bowser and go up the middle and get five to six yards of carry and really wear out a defense and, you know, kill a lot of clock. And that just wasn't there in this game. Um, you know, they clearly came in with the idea that uh, they were going to stop any kind of inside run with Bowser, which, I mean, you know, separately, I kind of wonder uh, if Bowser looks as good as he has in the past. Um, are you noticing anything with Bowser that might, uh, you know, give you some pause? I mean, the stats are, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the stats are going into this game it was 3.3 yards average. So that's definitely low. And, um, I think this at this game he only did uh, maybe two point two point five. He 2. was in thirteen 5. carries for thirty three yards for two and a half yards per carry, um, which out of all that we actually had one two three four five six players with carries, he had the lowest average of anybody that carried the ball. So it leads me to wonder, um, you know, is it scheme? Is it you know teams keying in on him, or is he just a maybe a little less uh, ready to go than maybe he was last year. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know the answer, to be honest with you. But I will say, I don't know if it helps that during the offseason, he didn't play. You know, he pretty much didn't play. They, they weren't tackling him. They didn't really run him against the number one defense, uh, the, the ones, I mean, on UCF. So maybe he just takes some – he needs some more time to get into groove things. But it seems like, you know, now he's – Getting, not that he's done anything um, impactful, averaging a bunch of yards, other than the goal line stuff. I will tell you, I, I want to keep it positive on that aspect 
Because I remember a couple seasons back where we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't score a touchdown on the goal line a few years back. This is back when Hypo was the coach when we couldn't even score on the goal line. So I am I am thankful that at least Bowser can get those touchdowns for us and get us touchdowns because he is putting points on the board, even though it's more mainly on the goal line side of things. So that on that side of the game, he's crushing it. But Justin, when we're out in the open field, I don't know what's going on there. So I don't I don't know. He looks healthy. He's healthy. You know, he's not injured. He's probably the most healthy he's ever been. I don't know if he lost some weight during the offseason. I don't know exactly what the story is, but he's definitely not He's not the old Bowser that we saw uh, playing um, last year when he was just running, trucking guys, going down the middle, uh, probably averaging more than five yards a game at least. Now, you know, he's below three yards a game in this past game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I think – I think what I really a couple things. I think you're right. I'm glad you mentioned the short yardage situation. It's something that you can't take for granted because again, uh, we just watched what FAU did on the goal line, right? And they couldn't get it in. They didn't have a back that was able to kind of push the pile and get in. So having Bowser is ridiculously valuable, and I don't want to downplay that. But again, last week after the game against Louisville, Bowser didn't have a great game last week either. He had two touchdowns, but again, from an average perspective, it wasn't super great. So a lot of the media and fan base were calling to see more Johnny Richardson. And I I definitely want to give Gus credit for this because this week he said it that they needed to give him more carries, and they they did it this week. Uh, You know, when we were seeing those those middle-of-the-field kind of plays, uh, Richardson was in the game a lot, and he had a great game. I mean, Richardson had 11 carries himself for 79 yards, he averaged 7.2 yards. I mean, and he runs a little bit more of those those sweep, you know, um, outside runs or maybe running. Or he has screens as well. He had two catches uh, or three catches for 14 yards himself. So I think it's clear that being able to uh, provide the, uh, you know, provide the extra juice that Richardson does, um, I think we're starting to see that, that right usage between them uh, really maximize the offense. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I just want to give a shout-out to R.J. Harvey, man. Nice to see him come play because, you know, in the last podcast I said it that uh, our guys didn't get any playing time except uh, Johnny Richardson and Bowser. Uh, the first game against South Carolina State, they, we saw Jordan McDonald come in, the true freshman. So I was curious what happened to R.J. Harvey when he was supposed to be the number one option last year going into the season until he got injured. So really nice to see him in there. He got 63 Yards averaging, 50 yards total, one touchdown. So, like to see R.J. Harvey in there. You know, we have a lot of talent. We said that's probably one of our strongest uh, uh, position groups on our team. So, I'd like to see more of the guys getting playing time as well. So, good job for R.J. Harvey and good job for the running back team. And going back to Plumlee, I mean, 121 yards, 6.1 average. I mean, the guy is a he's an athlete. He's a machine. So, our running team, our running game looked good. And that was in question because Louisville shut us down our running game in the second half. So, glad to see that the running, um, you know, did well for this game. And, you know, I think that's a great segue uh, because for, for us, I think a big key, right, obviously we know that Gus's offense, they want to run. Um, they want to run with the quarterback, and, and we were able to do it. But I think what really loosened everything up in the second half was our ability to hit on some of the bigger plays downfield. Um, you know, we saw in the first half – 
uh, we had a couple of plays that were downfield that were ultimately dropped. Uh, Javon Baker had a key drop. Uh, O'Keefe dropped a sure touchdown. Oh yeah. Um, you know that would that was a great throw. Um, and then we had another first down later that was uh, dropped Keem, by Keemore Gamble, right? By Gamble, yeah. So I mean, we were we were in a situation where we were kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. But once we started to convert on some of those deeper throws, um, you know, I think the big one that really loosened a lot of stuff up was the uh, Alec Holler uh, down the seam. Um, Alec Holler finishing with three receptions, leading the team in yards at 115 yards, averaging 38.3 yards per reception. But that was because he had two huge receptions, the one down the seam that he ran, uh, got caught behind, and then the little reverse pass later in the third quarter. So Those are great plays. And uh, just before you keep going with our receiving core, I got to ask you a question. Uh, who's tight end one now? Is it Alec or is it Kimor Gamble? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they're used moving forward. Um, I would have thought that Gamble would be the better receiving option, just given his experience. But, uh, you know, in this game, it was clear that Alec Holler maybe had a little bit more uh, a little bit more juice to him. And I wonder if that had to do with teams keying in on Gamble. So that's a development that we're going to have to keep watching. Um, Plus, you, know, you, can't, you can't drop a ball that goes right to your chest, you know what I mean? Exactly. That, that affects, you know, that kind of affects the whole offense as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see, but I think it proves that we've got two great tight ends who can, you know, really at any point. Well, all you really want as an offense is to have enough weapons so that the defense can't take one away. Yeah, right? yeah. Good, um, good you know, point. It's good, it's good to see Javon Baker playing well because yeah. it's going to open up opportunities for O'Keefe. It's good to see Johnny Richardson and R.J. Harvey playing well. It's going to open up opportunities for Bowser and JRP to keep running. If Alec Holler plays well, it's going to open up opportunities for Gamble. That's the whole point. It plays into each other. Uh, but that's a great point. Alec Holler, I think, had a great game. But right after that, uh, you know, we started to – things started to loosen up. Our running game got a little better, and, uh, you know, we were able to kind of do do some really good things. Well, what, do you, what do you think about the rest of the receiving court? Yeah, so, I mean, Baker played well. O'Keefe played well. The, the really big development that I see is how much of a role Xavier Townsend is getting – and that we don't see Kobe Hudson at all. Um, you know, I think it's time to start asking. Like, I think it's a fair question. Coming into the year, Kobe Hudson, I mean, we said it on this podcast. We expected him to be number two in receiving. Um, I think a lot of other media outlets, fans, expected him to have a huge role. For personal reasons, he didn't play last week, but I didn't see him this week as well. Um, have you heard anything about him at all? I mean, when you hear personal issues, you know, it's usually not a good sign. Um, but he didn't travel with the team. I was looking for him at the Louisville game, even though I wasn't ex- maybe necessarily expecting him to play for whatever reason because of the personal issues. But I didn't see him. I didn't see him. I looked for him. I didn't see him that game. I definitely didn't see him this game. I don't think he traveled with the team. So, honestly, I don't know if he's on the team. I know that his uh, social media might say that he's part of the UCF team, and I guess he's still on the roster technically, but... I don't know if he's really on the team anymore. Yeah, and that's going to be a development as we, that we have to watch moving forward. Um, you know, I think just given the role we expected him to have, uh, I expect Gus to get a lot of questions this week on that. Um, you know, and if he's not playing in Georgia Tech, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's fair to wonder if he's even on the team anymore. Um, so definitely something we're going to keep an eye on as we move through the season. Um, but even still, uh, even without him playing, um, I was impressed with our overall receiving core. Um, you know, we did end up obviously 339 yards passing, um, had to go to someone. Um, 
you know, Javon Baker, I think, had a great game. He's clearly the number one for John Rice Plum Lee. Um, his biggest play was the uh, the touchdown there towards the end of the game. Uh, beautiful pass down into the end zone that he was able to go up and get at its highest point. Um, you know, O'Keefe again, you know, gutsy performance from O'Keefe. Um, you know, he was hurt last week, and I think he admitted it even in the uh, postgame. Uh, he referenced Brandon Johnson doing it last year, uh, you know, playing through injuries and being able to come help the team. You can't say that O'Keefe didn't. I mean, six receptions, 74 yards, and another two carries as well uh, for another 25 yards. So he had almost 100 yards from a scrimmage in, in addition to being our primary kick returner. So, you know, even without that, I think that all of them played great. Um, you know, and I think it, it really took to the second half to see the team start to come together between the drops. Obviously, two bad fumbles in the first half, uh, the Richardson one deep, and then the bad center exchange with Plum Lee also deep in the red zone. Um, but once we started getting things going, um, you know, it was pretty clear uh, that our depth was going to win out. Uh, we went into the half down, or down what, we were up 16 to 14. And we ended up winning the game 40 to 14, outscoring them 24 to nothing in the second half. As good of a job as our offense did in this game, um, you know, I definitely want to talk about what changed for the defense as well. Is there anything you want to add about the offense before we move over to that side of the ball? Well, yeah, I just want to talk about a nice college debut for Colton Boomer, you know, our new starting kicker. So on the offense, so that's great to have him there. Um, he did miss a, an extra point, but he scored two field goals. So I'm a, he scored more points than he missed, and I'm, I'm for that any day. So good job, Colton Boomer. Glad to have you as our starting kicker, as well as there's a new, uh, a new punter. Definitely, yeah. So we do have uh, Mitch McCarthy as the new punter. And, you know, I think this is a good time um, to talk about just the, the – the difference in having a lot more freshman starters in this game than we have in the past. Uh, you know, I think a lot more freshmen uh, in this particular game um, really had an impact. Um, obviously, we mentioned Xavier Townsend. He has now uh, taken over the starting punt returner role for Devon Wilson. Um, and also, he himself uh, was clearly uh, one of the favorites. He had six catches himself. Um, you know, was able to kind of uh, make a make a big difference not only in the punt return game but the receiving game as well. Um, he was wide receiver three, in my opinion. Yeah, he definitely was. And so, you know, as a freshman, I mean, I think that's extremely uh, impressive to see right away. Uh, some other freshmen, as you mentioned, Colton Boomer. That's a big one. Um, you know, I, I think we all were, were anxious to see a five star kicker who's been waiting in the wings for his opportunity. Aside from his missed extra points, I thought his leg was strong. I thought he looked like he was accurate. Um, and to me, being the first uh, UCF uh, kicker in a few years to hit a forty plus yard field goal, um, I think it's fair to say he's got the job now moving forward. Right? Yeah, super excited about that. So that's what you know. I'm glad that Gus made those decisions because. We've seen coaches in the past stick with guys, even though everybody sees that, you know, they shouldn't be playing anymore. And, you know, he gave the guys from last year a shot, but it's two games in. These guys weren't doing a great job, so it was time for a change. So kudos to Gus for making that change. Definitely. And then, you know, the new punter and Mitch McCarthy, um, you know, I know Osteen's been our punter for a little while now. Um, last week we mentioned on the podcast that when uh, we look at just the averages against Louisville, his average uh, per punt against Louisville was 10 yards less than the Louisville's punter, uh, his average per kick. 
And so I think just some of that alone and how, how much that affected field position pushed uh, Mitch McCarthy to come out. And his he only had one kick. Again, our offense played so well that we did not need our puncher very much. But even his one kick was 46 yards, which is more in line with what we're looking for. Um, hopefully he can keep that up as well. Yeah, but speaking about the defense, they did a great job. Like I said, that, that momentum swing with the goal line stop was huge on their part. Uh, there's just a lot of talent there, and you can see it coming. And that's one of the things that you know I, I've talked to you about in the past, that even though it was a little bit of a close game, FAU only scored 14 points in the first quarter and then scored a single point the rest of the game. But, you know, you're a little bit nervous in the first quarter because it scored 14 points. Well, let's just say it is what it is. But So one of the things that I thought that was really important about our team as a whole is that we have a lot of talent and depth. We've been recruiting good for a couple years now. And I knew that we had more talent than FAU on the long run of the game. So even though they had the 14 points and they gave us a scare in the first quarter, our defense didn't let them score any single points the rest of the game. And that just shows that their team gave us their best shot in the beginning. They had their starters in, their best players in the beginning of the game. But they didn't have the energy to compete with us because we just have more talent. And that played out to win the game for us. And I think that's going to help us. And the rest of the season, because we do have a lot of talent, so our we have more fresher players. Where other teams don't, the other teams, their their ones on the depth chart, you know, might be as good as ours. But when it comes to football, it's a long game, and you got to have talent to give your team fresh legs for the rest of the game. And I knew that that was going to be the same old story with FAU. We've beat them. Is it six times, or is it six times, or is it four times? I think it's four. Four times. Okay, so it's been like we've beat them four times already, and. Every time, it's the same story with them. They kind of put up a fight in the beginning, but then they end up losing the rest of the game because they just can't compete with the talent that we have. And I feel like in an American conference, there's a lot of other teams like that that don't have as much talent as we have. So our defense is great. I mean, they're pretty much um, they're three deep, in my opinion, all around. The linebacker, the linebackers that we brought on board have answered the question on all our questions if we were going to have a decent linebacker core. They're doing well there. And um, the defensive line, I mean, we just keep getting better and better. And I just want to shout out another freshman. Uh, that seems like a topic of today, our freshman uh, playing really well, is Lee Hunter, man. We talked about how we expected that he was going to be a game changer for us and being a freshman. That sack, that bull rush sack was beautiful. Just the way he, like, pushed over the center and just got in there and, and got the quarterback. So nice to see Lee Hunter get that bull rush sack. What are your thoughts overall about the defense? Sean? I think, you know, I think the defense continues to play really well. I think, you know, right off the bat, um, you know, again, speculation about how the defense started. I think, number one, the crowd being into it, uh, you know, momentum from FAU. But additionally, uh, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste did not play in this game. Um, and Gus Malzahn mentioned that um, he's hopeful that he'll play against Georgia Tech, but admitted that uh, it could be a week-to-week thing. So hopefully he can come back healthy uh, quickly. But I would bet that just with his experience and, and being our, our number one linebacker, he probably has a lot to do with how our defense uh, calls plays. You know, who is ultimately responsible for helping players get in the right uh, the right positions. And that first drive by FAU was, uh, you know, it, it only took six plays for them to get all the way down and score a touchdown, mostly running the ball. Um, you know, and I wonder if that had to do with just our, our linebacker settling in. Obviously, Jason Johnson was is our normal starter next to Baptiste. But we had Walter Yates, uh, another transfer, starting next to him. Um, and that probably played a little bit of part in the way that the running game um, started the game for FAU. But I'll tell you, man, 
I am ridiculously impressed by how well this defense adjusted. Let me tell you something that about that adjustment. Um, in the first half, uh, FAU was able to run the ball for 192 yards, um, which is a lot. That's a lot, right? And I think that's why the game was 16-14. But then you look in the second half where we outscored them 24 to nothing. The entire FAU offense totaled negative four yards rushing in the second half. Wow. So they gained 192 in the first half, lost four yards in the second half. And when you look at their quarterback, I mean, their quarterback, he, he didn't have the greatest game. Uh, he was 13 of 29 for only 108 yards. It was clear that they were going to go as far as the running game was going to let them go. And our, t- our defense and, and Travis Williams, a uh, huge amount of credit for the adjustments. Being able to, to have that kind of a shutdown in the second half, that's what changed the game, in my opinion. Gave our offense the confidence and the ability to breathe and come out and really take control of the game. Um, you know, another player I want to call out here as well that we continued to mention, but, um, you know, he's continuing to show up is uh, Tremont Morris Brash. Man, he is a force. Um, he was number two on the team in tackles, which, I mean, you know, being number two on the team in tackles as a lineman shows how disruptive he already was. He had one and a half tackles for loss. He had two quarterback hurries, and he had a pass defense where he was able to tip a ball. And that's not even including the fact that he blocked the field goal. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Morris Brash? Man, I, I've always, he's one of my favorite players. You know, I always say he's next level. I mean, I'd be shocked if he doesn't play in the NFL. I expect him to go to the NFL. I expect him to get drafted. This guy is the real deal. I always, I'll never forget at the Under Armour All-American game that was hosted at the Citrus Bowl when they let the high school players pick what school they want to go to, if they choose to do that. I'll never forget him. He's always going to be a legend of my eyes because they let him pick out the hat. He pulls out the hat. He Before he pulls it out, he goes, I'm playing for the best football team in Florida. And, you know, you know, nobody has ever done this on this Under Armour. They usually always go to the major brands. He comes out and says, I'm going to UCF. You know, and I've always loved the kid for that. He's our only Under, Amer- Under Armour All-American player that we've had. And it shows. I mean, he's been talented. He's, he's been playing since he was a freshman. He's a true He's a true senior. He didn't redshirt. This guy is very, very talented. So I'm glad that this year he's getting that time to shine. It's his time. You know, um, TMB, baby. For sure. For sure. I think that was really good. Um, you know, another position I want to call out as well, um, you know, we've mentioned it a few weeks, is that night position, right, where we have Justin Hodges as a starter and Akai Martinez as the backup. That position is continuing to make plays. Um, you know, that third down on the goal line, um, that was Justin Hodges that was jumping in on that slot receiver and, and punching the ball out uh, right as it got to him. Um, you know, we're, we, we've seen him make plays in the backfield. You know, he's going, he's, he's coming up, stopping the run. He's, he's getting sacks when he blitzes. He's also jumping back into coverage. Um, you know, I'm sure that is really hard for offenses to, to try to game plan for where Hodges or Martinez are going to be considering – it changes so often on each snap. Um, so I've been really impressed with that as well. Yeah, and I, I was definitely impressed with them. I'm also impressed with Quadric Bullard. He had five tackles, and he was all over the place. So uh, he's definitely solid. Another another great defender on our team. We are, we are loaded on the defense. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch. I mean, you know, we've all been so hung up on the offense that I think it's time to really step back and look at what, the, what this defense has been able to do this season. Um, you know, when the offense wasn't giving them a lot of help, they were able to, for the most part, shut down Louisville. Um, obviously, SC State didn't have uh, very much success against this defense. And after their, you know, really first two touchdowns in the first quarter, 
FAU wasn't able to do anything the entire rest of the game. Totally suffocating performance by this defense. Um, I think that's got to make you feel good about our chances. And I think that's what happened last year, too. Our defense is really what kept us in games most games. Um, you know, and so the fact that right now we can look at Plum Lee, if Plum Lee can be consistent and the offense can play like they did in the second half of this game, that's what we're looking for, right? That second half performance from both the offense and the defense. If we can have that the rest of the year, um, you know, we're really looking at a really strong team. I don't think it's that we have the talent. It's that we need to see the consistency. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like I said, you're right. We have the talent. So I feel like we can over-talent many teams in the rest of our schedule. But the teams that have even the equivalent talent of us or pretty close, those are games are going to be challenging. And it's going to be challenging. Um, it's going to be challenging because, I don't know, I just I feel like, you you can't make any mistakes when you're playing with those teams. So we're gonna have to see how the offense. Uh, we can't have turnovers because that just fuels the other team, and it takes uh, time of the possession away from us. So we just need to see how we play out. But I'm hoping, you know, on the positive note, I'm hoping the team keeps sinking. The keep teams keeps playing better. You know, a lot of these players don't have a lot of experience of playing with each other. We got to remember that we did get a lot of transfers this year. The offensive line, I gotta give them a shout out because the last game. They seem like they weren't in sync. This game, they seem they were better in sync. So, uh, shout out to the offense. We need them to keep playing well. And just the team that just needs to keep growing. It's a long season. And um, so, I feel very positive, again, that we were able to turn it around for this game overall. 100%. I think, you know, just looking at this team completely, right, I think it's very clear that we're improving week over week, which is all you can really ask for from any team, right, is that every game they're going to make some adjustments. This game, I think, saw some of the biggest adjustments overall that we've seen. But again, what were the main issues coming into the game? It was penalties. We had 11 last week, down to three this week, two of which were pass interference penalties that I think could have gone either way. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that they were anything kind of egregious. Um, you know, the O-line looked a lot cleaner, both from a penalty perspective, but also from a pass protection perspective. There was clearly some times that Plumlee was able to stand back there in the pocket, really survey his options. Really impressed with the way that they played. And then, you know, special teams was another one that was really huge. We've talked about the fact that we just changed those starters, uh, both Colton Boomer and Mitch McCarthy. But, you know, we didn't see any major gaffes. We didn't see any holding penalties that were really dragging us back or taking taking points off the board. We weren't seeing punts that were shanked into the into the stands. We weren't seeing missed field goals. Like it was a much cleaner performance. Um, you know, even though we still had some things that we want to clean up. Obviously, like you said, the turnovers were not great. Three turnovers. You definitely definitely never want to see something like that. But I think it's clear that we're trying to fix them. It's clear that certain things are getting fixed. I'm pretty optimistic uh, of how things are going to go moving forward. Um, so how are you feeling about this uh, next week versus Georgia Tech? Well, I think, you know, Georgia Tech had a, uh, you know, they had a rough, they've had a rough start to their season as well. Um, you know, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. But right before we do that, I do want to talk about just a couple of quick little notes. Um, you know, one one of them being, I think it was uh, cool watching Gus pull some of his tricks out of the bag uh, in, in the name of a flea flicker, some reverse passes. Um you know, we hadn't seen those really in the past, but I think it really shows the, the potential of our offense, um, you know, going deep. Again, these adjustments, I think, are really key. But, um, you know, any uh, – do you have any last notes about this? Or let's go into Georgia Tech. All right, yeah, let's go Let's go into Georgia Tech. Um, so, this coming weekend, we do have our next game. 
uh, against Georgia Tech. This one's at home. So again, our, our three of our first four games are at home. I think that's a really, really favorable start to the schedule. Um, it's been announced that the game is going to kick off at 4 p.m. this Saturday, September 24th. Uh, we do have Georgia Tech coming in, another Power 5 opponent coming into the bounce house. Uh, this one's coming in a little bit wounded, though. Um, I think we know that uh, Georgia Tech was not the stronger Power 5 team on our schedule, but just like any Power 5 opponent, they're going to have some talent. Uh, we've got to be ready for it. Um, for anybody not aware, Jeff Collins is their head coach. Um, he UCF is very familiar with him, both competing against him when he was the Temple head coach that led him to the Georgia Tech job. But also, for anybody that doesn't know, he was our linebackers coach under George O'Leary, as well as our recruiting coordinator for the 2008-2009 season. So he's familiar with what UCF is and what they can do. He knows the bounce house. He knows what that's going on. Um, you know, how do you how do you feel about this game coming up? I do feel that we should win this game. Actually, was more nervous about the FAU game than I am this Georgia Tech game. So um, I do expect us to win this game. They just got, like you said, they're wounded. They just got. Let's just call it out. They got the butt whooped by Old Miss. What was it 49 to 0? 42 to 0. 42 to 0. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they got their butt whooped. They couldn't even, they got donut. Couldn't even score a field goal. So uh, that's not a good sign. Old Miss is very talented this year, so not taking anything away from them. But I do expect the win for us at home. I know our, our fan base is going to be pumped. So let's, you know, let's go. Let's go, UCF. Yeah, I think the key in this game is going to be, you know, controlling their run game. Um, you know, they in this last game, even though they were down big, they ran the ball more times than they passed, 34 to 32. Um, I think a big reason for that is that their starting quarterback, Jeff Sims, is uh, a true uh, dual threat quarterback. He does like to run. They like to scheme up runs for him. But I think where Ole Miss had success, uh, Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Georgia Tech, he ran the ball 16 times. But he only actually gained a total of uh, negative two yards. Obviously, some of that comes on some sack yardage. But with uh, with 16 carries, you hope to actually gain some yards. Um, there you go. So, but, but that's going to be the key, right? I mean, you know how UCF historically hasn't been great against running quarterbacks. Even when we played them last uh, a few years ago, uh, Jeff Sims had a great day, um, you know, running. Um, we still beat him handily, but he had a good game. Um I think also with Georgia Tech, unfortunately for them, I think the transfer portal has hit them maybe a little harder than others. Um, their main running back, uh, Gibbs, we played them um, a couple of years ago. He was their their stud, uh, all-American kind of player. Um, he transferred to Alabama this year. and He, he had his own great day uh, yesterday. So unfortunately for Georgia Tech, um, that, that is just a reality of their situation. Um yeah, it's 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 a tough a tough time for Georgia Tech, and so what you hope to see is that UCF comes out, they're able to run the ball, they're able to start hot. You know, you want the defense to not allow a touchdown on their first drive. You hope that we score on our first drive, and you know, really set the tone at home um, and get ourselves ready for conference play, which kicks off the following week. That's right. Um, and I do. Uh, you're actually going to be busy this week, right? So uh, you're going to be able to catch the game. Yeah, as of now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to try my hardest to watch a game. I'm going to be at a wedding in Columbia, so the wedding's around the same time. I just got an epiphany today that there is a two-hour difference, so maybe I might be able to catch the first half. I might have to watch it on my phone because I don't know if I can catch the game over there in Columbia. But, hey, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my hardest and uh, at least try to catch some of the game. Worst case scenario, after the wedding, I'll, I'll watch the game. But, uh, yeah, 
you know, definitely Night Nation representing the bounce house for me. And let's get this win. Let's go three and one and let's keep the season going because there's a long season ahead of us and there's a lot of opportunity for us. Definitely, yeah. Hopefully we uh, we keep this momentum rolling. Um, obviously, this is exactly the kind of game we wanted to see uh, from the Knights so that they could bounce back so that uh, you know we weren't going to have a panicked fan base all week. I think now we can we can relax and look forward to seeing our team back in the bounce house. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm just super impressed uh, with how this team came out. I think we were all a little nervous, especially as the game started. So really good game from everyone, good, good play calling from Gus, good adjustments, good quarterback play, uh, really, really good game. Um, well, with that, uh, well, that'll do it for the, uh, the Nightcap podcast uh, this week covering the FAU-UCF game. Uh, as always, please follow us at UCF Nightcap. And um, we will be back next week. Uh, Tony probably will not be in the episode, but uh, we will have a a special guest here with us. And um, so please tune in for that. And uh, with that, let me go ahead and pass it over to Scott for our Toast of the Nightcap. Thank you, Sean. This week's Toast of the Nightcap goes to a man, part wide receiver, part running back, part acrobat, our quarterback, John Reese Plumlee. He led us in an exciting victory and thrashing over FAU. Night Nation, raise a glass to JRP. Cheers. Follow us on social media at UCF Nightcap, and we'll see you next week at Georgia Tech.